0: All right, dinks. Thanks so much for having me tonight. I want to talk to you about a few things that are happening. And as I was reviewing different news sources and kind of starting to put my stories together, it dawned on me that there were several commonalities that were starting to um, play out. So I think it's really important, and I'll post about that tomorrow, uh, that we are very vigilant. As the summer has sort of transitioned into the fall, not quite cool enough in North Carolina yet. But, you know, from a legislative perspective, we're moving into the fall season. It is starting to heat up. And there are appropriations committees that are starting to meet as they're finalizing budgets um, and different legislative movements that are starting to happen that had sort of been on pause for a bit. So uh, tonight's news is really dedicated pretty heavily to what the Congress and uh, Senate are now taking up as different pieces of legislation and what organized dentistry is currently working on to sort of um, make sure we have a seat at the table. So the first thing that I think is important to note, actually outside of legislation specific to the federal government, but really important to dentists as a general rule is that there's a group within the ADA that's taking up a lot of activity on interstate licensure their main goal is to make licensure portable from state to state. This has primarily been brought on because of spouses of military folks who are forced or required to to transition from state to state over very short periods of time. And for spouses who happen to be dental professionals, that becomes very difficult for them to go back through multiple licensure processes. If they haven't been in a state and participated as a professional in that state for a long period of time, they don't build up enough of credibility to be able to come into a state and get automatic licensure um, and be able to apply. They have to receipt for boards over and over. So. Originally, this was spurred on because of our military spouses who were looking for better alternative solutions for their transition problem. But in general, I think most dentists would agree that portability of licensure would be very helpful. And in fact, we're one of the unique professions that has a pretty tight restriction around that. And so the ADA is working very diligently to craft kind of a key legislation Uh, portfolio, if you will. So what they'll do is they'll create what language should look like for portability. They will hopefully get that implemented in a few states. And obviously, their goal is to get it in 50 states so that there is some ability for uh, dentists to go from state to state with clean records and a license from an accredited university to be able to practice dentistry. The other interesting part of this committee is that they're looking at alternative strategies for licensure requirements. And we can have a very long and heated debate about whether or not live patient examination is the right way to go for dental licensure. But unfortunately, because of COVID, that sort of has already transitioned. And really, we didn't get to fully vet the conversation of mannequin versus lab patient. So when COVID came on the scene in 2020, we had to graduate dentists and get them licensed to be able to go practice. Yet we had very tight restrictions, particularly in the dental schools about patient activity. So most of the dental boards at that time transitioned to mannequin style examinations. I do believe that's probably here to stay. And I think that this committee that's looking at licensure portability, also has a pretty heavy focus on moving away from live patient examination. If this is something that's of interest to you or you feel very passionate about any of the topics around licensure and you want to make sure that your voice is heard, I'll be sure to post when it goes to live comment period so that you have the opportunity to express your opinion. It will operate very similarly to the way that the Senate and the um, House will put forth, or like other organizations within the federal government, will put forth potential regulations or legislation open for comment period. And this particular process with portability is going to go through the same style of vetting. So there will be open comment and an opportunity for you to see both what they're proposing to move forward with portability and modification of the licensure exam, but also um, you'll have the opportunity to express your opinions about that or other topics within the jurisdiction of licensure. So I'll be sure to keep you posted on that. I think it's an evolving process, but definitely on the radar for the ADA. In addition to that, um, I've, this is the, the, the time where the fiscal budgets are getting sort of established for The government for 2023. They're finalizing and taking requests and uh, concerns for what that budget may look like. Many of the organized dental groups are very active in that process because they want to make sure, obviously, that dentistry continues to have a seat at the table. I haven't talked much about oral health literacy. It was something that I participated in with the AGD and their lobbying team back in 2019 as we were starting to work with the federal government to come up with what a what an oral health literacy program may look like. How do we build a program to help educate the public on oral health as a general rule and its systemic implications? It was a really fun project to to participate in and to to be a part of some of the meetings with various elected representatives. But the fight kind of continues on what oral health literacy funding may look like. And it is up again through HRSA uh, for 2023. And so many of the organized groups are strongly pushing to ensure that um, dentists and dental education programs have a seat at the table. In particular, they're focusing very heavy on a little bit of language that I think you'll find interesting. The first piece of that is, um, let's take a step back for one minute. So Section 7 is a a grant program that moves the target from time to time on who they're going to provide grants for for education. Uh, Go back a couple of years, they were really heavily focused on pediatric dentistry. That may be true, but I think COVID has Proven some very significant workforce issues within dental within the dental industry. So, some of the proposed language in this upcoming HRSA funding request, which ultimately will be a part of the appropriations in the fiscal year 2023 budget, is for it is to move dental hygiene and dental assistant programming into Title Seven. Why is that important? Because then those individuals are eligible for grants and their institutions are eligible to to initiate or give grants to folks who would like to pursue that education, but do not have the funding to be able to do so. It's been clearly documented through the um, data gathering through the ADA over the last two years that we have a significant shortage of dental hygienists and dental assistants in the marketplace. Why is this also important? Because there's also language in that particular legislation to remove a prohibition that has been in place to stop or to keep the uh, education of dental health aid therapists at bay. What's a dental health aid therapist? A mid-level provider. Think of the medical community. You have doctors, PAs, nurse practitioners, nurses, and the list goes down and down. There is a significant push with a lot of money moving towards multiple tiers of dental services within our profession as well. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this push that's been happening for quite some time. Gosh, I'm trying to think how long we've been talking about this, maybe eight to 10 years now. But this particular provision for funding through HRSA also has language in it that would remove the prohibition that has sort of held off dental health aid therapists in the past from educational programming. So obviously, this is a a point of contention. I think from our perspective, and hopefully this is a shared perspective and not too political, if we have existing programs like dental hygiene programs, dental assisting programs, dental school programs, Surely we can take those fund opportunities and those grants, those Title VII grants, and start pushing more individuals into those existing programs that may or may not be at 100 percent capacity, and away from creating another tier within the within the providing uh, provider sequence. And so, you know, I encourage you to look at this legislation very closely. I know many of your states are. I think if we're if we're all being very honest, dental health aid therapists would be a, a pretty interesting kink in the system for dentists in particular, um, and what, you know, our supervisory roles would look like and what the future of our profession may be. Um, I'm sure medical doctors had the same concerns when other levels of providers came into play. So we have, a you know, a lot to learn, I think, in that particular realm. But it is coming back up. It's sort of been a little bit quiet during covid But I am genuinely concerned that the current workforce depletion that we have is putting a lot more emphasis on the idea of being able to bring on education for dental health aid therapists. So please, you know, stay vigilant and and conscientious about that particular piece. And with that, that's the news.